Martin program. This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. Unless you become as a little child, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Those were the words of none other than Jesus himself. But apparently we don't quite agree with that. We're very much like the disciples that think, well... The kids aren't quite able to master. They're not quite able to understand things of the kingdom of God. They're not able to understand the Bible. Therefore, we're going to play games with them. We're just going to have a good time and play games with them and entertain them until such time as their little cognitive minds are able to assimilate the Bible and gospel truth. Well, quite frankly, friends, nothing could be further from the truth in terms of reality. Did you know that a recent study just came out to say that our children are able to comprehend things at far earlier ages than we previously believed or understood. They're talking about less than one year old. They're talking about young babies. That's right, babies that can learn to understand. Just yesterday... I was with one of those babies. This baby is about seven months old. I was astounded at the alertness, the ability to seemingly comprehend things that this young baby had. Wow. I think maybe we just don't give enough credibility to our children. What do you think, my friend? Well, today on Viewpoint, we're going to talk about this matter of our children, helping our kids learn and love the Bible. You know, the B-I-B-L-E, we used to sing, yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. Well, that was a good thing. We did stand alone on the word of God. And from the earliest of ages, I did just that. My wife and I, now married 56 years, have both come to faith in Christ at the age of five. Most people don't think that five-year-olds can even begin to comprehend even the most rudimentary things of the Bible. And yet, even our scientists now are telling us we have fooled ourselves. We've actually trained ourselves to believe something that is not true. And our children are suffering as a result, even so-called children of Christian families. And so today on Viewpoint, I trust that you'll be inspired as we chat together with our special guest, Danica Cooley, from none other than the state of Oregon, a beautiful state where a lot of people hug the trees, but they're not uh, hugging one another much up there because there are too many riots. So uh, how in the world, Danica, are you handling your four children amid all of that riotous behavior in Oregon? Hi, Chuck. Um, you know, it is a little crazy out here. We moved um, from the Portland area out to the coast, though, about four years ago. So it's much more quiet out here, which I appreciate. Oh, okay. Uh, it is a shame, such a beautiful state as yours, 
And uh, yet there seems to be very little in the way of God-fearing people there. Mm -hmm. The fear of the Lord seems to have been largely abandoned across the country from not only the West Coast, but also the East Coast and everywhere in between. And yet the, the Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. We have already abandoned, it seems, the very beginning of wisdom, even for our children. What do you think? I, I think you're right. I think that um, the Lord made it really clear in Deuteronomy 6 and 11 and Psalm 119 that our job as parents is to raise our children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. It is to teach them the Bible. Um, and I think largely we've we've specialized as a culture, and we believe that other people specialize in things having to do with our kids. And so we've sort of abdicated that responsibility. And um, I would like to see parents take that back. You can read the Bible with your kids. You can teach them about spiritual and scriptural t- truths and doctrine. Um, and it's not as hard as it seems. And it just takes a couple tweaks to what you're already doing with your kids. Well, that's true. And it involves time. And that's one of the things, one of the commodities that we're not very willing to part with these days. We'd rather pay money to others and spare the time for ourselves. And yet this matter of training our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord is going to require time together, talking, thinking, thanking, and tenderly touching, isn't it? It does. It does. I think sometimes there, when we are afraid of doing something or we're reticent to do it, we, we make things bigger in our minds than they actually are. You can actually read a chapter of the Bible with your kids and discuss it um, and pray in 15 minutes or less. So there's other things you can do to teach the Bible to your kids, but to me that seems like um, the basic, and it, it only takes about 15 minutes. Well, that's right. That's just the beginning. <clears throat> um, I have to tell you that uh, I was a practicing attorney back when our first daughter was born, and uh, we ended up with three daughters. And one of the things that I did uh, from the very beginning was when I got home uh, from a law practice in the courts, uh, right after dinner, I would take our young daughter, an infant, and carry her in my arms across the street into a little park area, and I would speak the word of God over her, kindly, lovingly, and with purpose and with dedication and with faith and hope for the future. And a lot of people would say, well, that's just foolishness. That's just foolishness. She couldn't understand a bit of what you're talking about. Well, you ought to hear my daughter now. You ought to know now because she actually was learning. She was hearing. She was assimilating. And it's line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little and there a little. And I think we kind of forget that. We we do. I, I know when my kids were very young, the youngest two were three and four, I started playing an audio Bible for them while they were building with Legos or before they went to bed. And it was the ICB, so it was a children's version, um, but it was still the Word of God. And I remember we were driving somewhere, and my youngest, Eric, was three, and he said to me, Mom, Mom, why is Jonah called a prophet and not a missionary? Wow, a what a profound question. <laughs> right? And I remember thinking, 
oh, not only has he learned this story just from listening to the Bible, but he's processed it, and now he's bringing it back to me and narrating to me and asking me something that, that is actually theological. Um, and I remember just being overwhelmed and telling him, I will have to get back to you on that. But I remember thinking, our kids really do understand things at a much younger age than we give them credit for. Now, you didn't say you were going to circle back, though, did you? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank no. the Lord for that. You weren't going to circle back. You were just going to get back to him. I'm so <laughs> blessed to know that. <laughs> Yeah, and I did. I did. I got back to him the same day. I went and I, I thought about it. I probably called someone and asked some questions. Um, but, well, you, you know, didn't I call did me. Why didn't you call me? <laughs> I did have. <laughs> well, I think there's a good reason. We'll get back to that after this break. Why the Bible calls Jonah a prophet and not a missionary. Out of the mouth, a question out of the mouth of a three-year-old. We'll be right back, friends. Stay tuned. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. We're talking about helping our kids learn and love the Bible. Today on Viewpoint, our special guest, Danica Cooley, she is the mother of four children that she has homeschooled for 11 years. We'll get back into that uh, in just a few moments. But the question before us, before the break, from a three-year-old, her three-year-old, was this. Why does the Bible call Jonah a prophet and not a missionary? So, Danica, uh, what was your profound resolution of that question? Well, he was three. So I told him that God had instituted him in the office of prophet mm -hmm. and that prophet kind of trumps missionary in this situation. And I said, you know, God was speaking through Jonah, and he did send him out to be a missionary to the people of Nineveh, but we call him a prophet because that was his primary office. Well, that's right. That was a very good answer, and besides which, uh, a prophet is called by God to woo and to warn the people. Mm -hmm. That's his primary role. A lot of people don't understand that. They think a prophet is for foretelling the future. No, the primary role of a prophet in the Bible is not to foretell the future or even to perform miracles, but rather to woo and to warn the people because the messengers that God has otherwise ordained to do that have failed in their job, whether it be pastors or parents or priests. And uh, so Jonah was sent to Nineveh to be a prophet, to warn the people. And they heard and they responded, unlike Israel, what an interesting story that is, Danica. It really is. Well, the same is true for us. Uh, God is sending prophetic voices to uh, America to woo and to warn uh, because God is a God of due process and he's not going to do something. He says, I will do nothing but that I first give my warning 
and uh, understanding through my servants, the prophets. That's what he did with Jonah. And uh, it appears that your three-year-old discerned that there was a, a difference there. And a missionary basically goes out to uh, tell the people about Jesus and the gospel and to uh, uh, train them to understand the uh, the word of God, but not a prophet. His primary role is to woo and to warn. Okay, well, we go beyond that. We know that a three-year-old can discern truth and understanding in the Bible. But you say that your kids have not always loved your efforts to inject scripture into their lives, all four of them, just like the rest of our kids. And that's true. My three were the same way. So how do we overcome that? Do we just succumb to their resistance or do we take the leadership role as a parent? And when we do, how do we do it? Well, we were just very clear with our kids that this is a mandate from God that we teach them the Bible. Um, And we did make it fun in a lot of ways, but Mm -hmm. sometimes it was just about sitting and reading a chapter and, um, and discussing it. And I can't tell you how many times my, um, my youngest, who is now 17, would fall asleep while we were reading because he'd been out playing basketball late. Well, now, wait a minute. I didn't have to do that. I didn't have to go out and play basketball. I was in the program of uh, reading the Bible through in a year, three chapters a day and five on Sunday. And by chapter two or four on Sunday, I was half asleep myself and I hadn't even played basketball. Right. Right. So I would have to wake him up. But, you know, um, and sometimes I, I just gave up. But, you know, what what I've seen is that our faithfulness day after day, year after year, it, it adds up and it creates the fabric of the theology for our kids. And they yeah. have a biblical worldview and they hear our Lord's voice because God speaks to us through his inspired, inerrant, infallible words. So we we just continued on. And um, some days they've really loved it, and some days they've been indifferent, mm-hmm. and some days they've been uh, resistant, just like just like we are. Um, and yeah, are you making they, a confession, by the way? <laughs> <laughs> I am. I am human. In case you didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, uh, it's interesting because the Bible never tells us to read it. Mm-hmm. Did you know that? The Bible never tells us to read it. What it does tell us to do is study it. Study to show yourself approved unto God. And we're supposed to meditate on it, but never told, we're not, never told to actually read it. And I think there's a reason for that. It's not that there's anything wrong with reading it, but just reading, right, rote reading, basically kind of sits there a bit idle and puts people to sleep. There has to be a rhyme or reason to the reading uh, something a little bit bigger than just the simple reading. And uh, I had to learn that the hard way. Uh, you know, I had tried so many times to read the Bible through uh, three chapters a day and five on Sunday, you know, that uh, that program. And it was always frustrating, and it was relatively meaningless to me. It wasn't until I took a different attitude and said, I am going to, from now on, I'm not going to read for volume. In other words, how much I'm going to read. I'm going to read for content. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to ask the Lord every day, okay, Lord, reveal something to me today from these few verses or this chapter or these several chapters. 
and I'm going to mark them in my Bible, but please reveal yourself to me. All of a sudden, the Bible took on a whole different uh, significance, and I literally ended up creating my own chain reference system throughout the whole Bible over a series of years. And I think uh, when you talk about memorization and learning, educators say and psychologists say that there has to be this sense of meaning. There has to be the idea in the learner that there's meaning to this and it's not just rote reading. How did you overcome that with your kids? Well, the Bible is a story, and um, God wrote that story for us, and then he fitted us to really understand story. Like, our Mm -hmm. kids love plot and characterization, and they understand theme really well. Um, And God's overarching themes in his story tell us about who he is and who we are in our sin nature and why we need a Savior. They tell us God's great plan for salvation. Mm -hmm. And they tell us about Jesus' commands for his followers. So when we would read a chapter, we would do it in, in a round-robin fashion, where mm-hmm. each of us would read a paragraph once once each child was old enough to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that keeps the kids involved. And then right. we would talk about the actual um, chapter that we had read and um, relate it to other parts of Scripture, um, like prophecy is set in in history mm-hmm. so it goes back to the historical books and often it would refer forward to the new testament so that takes a little bit of planning before we would read right. from so you were actually helping parents. your children connect the dots mm-hmm. and that's one of the things that it doesn't seem to happen often with people when they're reading the bible it's just kind of like a jumble of words they're not connecting dots uh, and therefore, they come away and wonder, well, what did I just read and why? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Second Timothy 2.15 tells us to, to be approved workers um, mm-hmm. and, and to rightly handle God's word of truth. And one of the ways we can do that, especially with kids, is to connect them to those overarching themes and help them see how God uses the the various smaller narratives in the Bible to move forward his bigger narrative. Mm -hmm. Okay, now, in Deuteronomy, and you mentioned Deuteronomy chapter 6, which is one of the most important uh, little passages in the Bible. Uh, Why is it so important? Well, it tells us to bring God's Word to our kids and to talk about it when we lie down and when we get up and to put it on our doorposts and on our fence posts. And um, the the ancient Israelites, they actually took that literally in pieces of Scripture to their foreheads and their wrists. But for us, we just know that God's Word needs to be the basis of our, our day and everything mm-hmm. that we see. It should it should really form our worldview. Yeah. We should see everything through it. So when we talk to our kids, when we're disciplining them, we need to bring the gospel to them. It's so sad that they sinned against us as their parents because God put us in the place of being their parents and they're mm-hmm. supposed to obey us. And it separates them from God. And that's so sad, but God made a way for them to overcome that and to be forgiven for that sin through Jesus Christ. And so we can give them the gospel every single time that we need to discipline them. 
um, which I think also helps us remember the purpose of disciplining mm-hmm. them. Right. It's not because we're offended or we're hurt, but because we're pointing our kids to their Savior. Um, so it, it just becomes a part of every single thing we're doing. When we go on a nature walk, we can point our kids to the majesty and glory of the common grace that God has given us through his creation. You know, it's interesting. Uh, uh, we've had the privilege of, of kind of uh, raising 10 grandchildren, mm. uh, being involved in their lives. And uh, three of them, our three oldest males, uh kind of spent quite a bit of time in our home and uh, I trained them in uh, doing yard work uh, landscaping and uh, other things related to uh, the yard and as I would do that I would share principles of the scripture with them and relate it in ways that were immediately applicable and uh, it's interesting that over time not only did they mature in their quality of work and their understanding of what it was, what was needed in order to maintain and care for a yard. But they also began to understand what was needed to maintain their hearts, which was the spiritual yard of their life. And uh, it's been a beautiful thing to watch that happen, but it doesn't happen overnight, does it? No. No. I, just like God progressively sanctifies us, He, um, sends forth his word and it accomplishes its purposes in the lives of our kids, which is from Isaiah 55, 10 through 11. Just like he puts the seed in the ground and waters it and brings forth the plant. Well, sometimes seeds take a long time to grow and we don't see the plant for quite a while. And you don't just dig up the seed every two minutes to see what's <laughs> happening with it, do you? No, no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how about uh, all of the uh, fun stuff going on in the nature of uh, youth ministry under the guise of youth ministry? It seems to me that we have seriously shortchanged our kids uh, by presenting virtually nothing but entertainment and fun instead of uh, the genuine wealth of God's Word. Yeah, I, you know, I think that, um, we are called to study God's word together and to worship God as a church. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can see a purpose in youth ministry in, in allowing our, our kids to be, um, have a peer group that loves Jesus and mm-hmm. points to him. But I sure. think we do shortchange them when we don't believe that they can understand and study God's Word. And I I do believe that if there is going to be a youth ministry, that should be the primary purpose of it, is to um, help our kids grow in Christ. Absolutely. All right, friends, here's the book. Help your kids learn and love the Bible. You need all the tools you can get. This is good for for not only uh, parents, but grandparents, because grandparents have a huge opportunity. Don't forfeit it by just care, uh, chasing golf balls around on a green somewhere. No, we have a much, much bigger responsibility. If we believe that Jesus is coming soon, which I do, uh, we should take this much more seriously than we have. And uh, here's a book from a veteran who has done it together with her kids, with she and her husband, and it has uh, born fruit and is still bearing fruit. 
Help Your Kids Learn and Love the Bible. And it's a $17 book, yours for $14. It's on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. I urge you to go there, get a copy of the book, uh, use it. These are tools that can be used to encourage, to strengthen us when we think that uh, perhaps maybe we're not up to doing what God wants us to do, or maybe we can just do it better. And uh, here's a wealth of information from Danica Cooley, uh, who Jim Daly, president of Focus on the Family now, says she's seeing the next generation truly know and embrace God's word. Again, it's on our website, saveus.org. Give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA, 1-800-SAVE-USA, or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 2. Three two five five. You're writing a check at five dollars for postage and handling. And by the way, children have to see their parents, their Christian parents, as teachers and fellow students of God's word. In other words, it's not just for kids. If the kids don't see their parents as seriously pursuing the word of God, then why should they? We'll talk more about that when we get back. Stay tuned. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals, saveus.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at saveus.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, saveus.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, saveus.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archived, Save America Ministries website at saveus.org. Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chrismeyer. Parenting is a non-delegatable duty. A non-delegatable duty. In other words, you and I as parents have the primary responsibility to train our children, to teach them diligently the Word of God. Not just casually, but diligently. But in order to do that, don't you think that we must be students of the word ourselves and demonstrate how valuable we consider that word of God to be in order that our children should see how valuable we consider it to be and then embrace it as valuable for themselves? It seems to me that that's one of the missing links, Danica, because back in 1995, George Gallup, who was then living, gave an address to the Christian publishing uh, industry down in Dallas. And the theme was a nation of biblical illiterates. And he was saying that we at that time, 1995, had become a nation of biblical illiterates. And he was addressing Christian publishers. In other words, by implication, he was saying, you, Christian publishers, are actually participants in helping our country to become biblically illiterate. Mm-hmm. 
That's a pretty serious indictment, isn't it? It is. It is, it is a serious indictment. And I do think that, um, I think parents are taking back responsibility. Um, you think so? Raising up their kids. You think so? I, I do. The American Bible Society did a survey that showed that two out of three teams, not Christian teams, but just teams, um, understand that the Bible is sacred literature. And um, I don't remember the exact um, figures, but it showed that, that Christian Protestant teams are picking up the Bible and reading it at least once a week. So I find that encouraging. I also find the homeschool movement encouraging. I believe parents are homeschooling because they understand that it is our job to no. teach our kids about God. I think that's probably the most encouraging thing is the homeschool movement. And uh, my wife and I got uh, involved in that back in the early 1980s when it was a uh, <laughs> it was almost a fearful thing to engage in uh, homeschooling because many government forces were radically against it. Uh, but that's what we did. And uh, I think it inured to the benefit of our kids. How are you doing it? Um, I love homeschooling. You know, we sent our, our older two kids, I got at eight and 10. Um, and we, we sent them to public school, and then we had our younger two kids in private school for just um, a couple years and mm -hmm. pulled them out when they were, we started homeschooling when they were first and second grade. And it is my favorite way of schooling. I would never do it any other way now that I know. And um, we've been able to lay the foundation in every um, every subject of God's Word and how it relates to that subject. Well, that sounds like you taught very much like they did in the early days of our country with the horn books <laughs> and so on. Yes, yes. I think that they understood how important God's Word is. And I, I, I is my prayer that there will be a return to that. And it's my hope that it, there will be a return to that. But I, I see um, in my, my working with parents about how to teach the Bible to their kids, I see that beginning to happen and people really digging in. And I think it started with your generation and the return to homeschooling because mm. it is a return in, you know, in the old days, um, you know, back in the 16, 17, 1800s, that is how many people were schooled is by their parents. In fact, that is about how all kids were schooled in the early mm. days of our country. And isn't it fascinating that, uh, uh, many of our earliest founders, by the time they uh, attained their early teens, they were already uh, gifted in Latin and Greek and uh, other languages, French. Uh, they didn't think that it wasn't possible to, to learn things as, as uh, kids. In fact, uh, they were schooled in these kinds of things that uh, today we would think would be uh, ridiculous. Right, right. They were, well, you know, we taught our kids Latin and Greek when they were very young as well. Did and, you? Uh, yeah, they're completely capable of learning it. And now they speak Spanish and go to um, a Spanish language church as, as a ministry. And um, that is, you know, they are multilingual. And I think that's, that's important. But I do think that we have this idea that kids um, should only play 
as as young people and that they can't learn things. And that's just not true. I agree with that wholeheartedly. In fact, uh, the younger they are, the more open they are. Their minds are open. They're easier to, to memorize and to build the precepts of the Scripture into their lives, it seems to me. It's, it's absolutely true. And, you know, our kids tend to love what we love. Um, like, you can see that in a family where the parents really love baseball. Kids tend to grow up to love baseball and know all the stats and want to mm-hmm. go to games. Mm-hmm. Well, it's the same thing with the Bible. If we love God's Word and we present it in multiple ways at multiple times of the day and, and we talk about God in our home, that's going to be something our kids care about. Um, and, you know, we do catechism with them on top of that. Um, that is, they're going to know those basic theological truths. And, and I've seen that as our kids grew older, they wanted to take on um, study and theology and doctrine on their own. And um, we were able to provide them resources for that and talk through it with them. Um, but it's because they care about God's Word. Well, they saw Mom and Dad. Your husband's name is Ed, right? Yes, it is. And uh, what does he do? My husband is a contractor, but he would say that he is a plasterer. That is his first love is plastering. Okay. (laughs) So uh, has he been involved in the teaching of your kids? Absolutely. Um, I do homeschool, so we do um, in the mornings we have studied the Bible, but um, at dinner time, he would um, read a chapter to them, of Mm -hmm. Proverbs or Psalms. Right now we're in Acts. And he would pray with them, um, and it's something that he talks to them often about. And we go to church every Sunday, and we talk about that. And um, you know, something they have seen also is my husband sitting on the couch, surrounded by commentaries and his Bible, because he also and, and teaches some evenings, and mm-hmm. um, and they would emulate that because he's their father, and they respect him. So I would sometimes find them surrounded by books that I am not certain they understood, but they were reading the books of prophecy at the ages of six and seven because that's what their dad was doing. Wow. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember one day uh, when our oldest daughter was four years of age, and uh, I just happened into, I believe it was her bedroom at that time, and I saw her standing in front of a mirror preaching she was preaching at the age of four, and where does she? Where do you think she got that from? Her dad. <laughs> Even though I was a lawyer, I was also speaking throughout Southern California, the principles of the kingdom of God, and preaching in churches and so on. <laughs> a four-year-old, uh, and one day, uh, our oldest grandson appeared here on this program. Uh, and he had come up with some, uh, in fact, I still have the tape, uh, made of that particular broadcast. I, I believe he was either four or five years of age. And he joined me on the air to talk about the Word of God and its significance in his life. So I, I do not put it past our young kids, uh, to learn. And I think we do a terrible disservice to uh, frustrate their ability to do so and to teach them only those things that we think uh, are fun and games, so to speak, and don't get uh, a little bit more serious with them about taking seriously 
the very word of God that will live and abide forever. Uh, how did you get started with your husband in doing this? Did you start this at the very early age with your kids? Um, so I I was raised in the church, but I actually got saved when my uh, I was pregnant with my youngest. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember just um, really feeling a strong need to read the Bible all the way through. I'd read parts of it. I'd been in church my whole life, but um, I just started in Genesis and read to the end of Revelation in 88 days, and then I did it wow. again uh-huh. and again. And then when we started homeschooling, um, we were looking for a Bible curriculum, and I just couldn't find um, what I wanted that, that came from the Bible instead of retold stories. Uh-huh. And um, my husband, Ed, said to me, well, you know, your gift is administration, why don't you go administrate and, and use the resources that you like and put this together as a curriculum for yourself? Wow. And I thought, well, as long as I'm doing that, I'll just do it for others. So that's how I ended up writing an at-home Bible curriculum for families, um, and it's a three-year Bible survey. And so um, that's how we started, um, mm-hmm. and then I've just continued to quit parents to teach the Bible that way. And is that uh, three-year program available to our listeners today? It is. Um, they can find it at BibleRoadTrip.org. Um, and it it's something that um, has been downloaded over 300,000 times. So wow. We've had other families use it. <laughs> BibleRoadTrip.com. Dot org. Oh, dot org. BibleRoadTrip.org. That sounds very, very important, and I urge you, uh, friends, uh, maybe not just uh, parents but grandparents, to seriously consider that, BibleRoadTrip.org. The book that we have here today from Danica is Help Your Kids Learn and Love the Bible. Help Your Kids Learn and Love the Bible. It's a uh, $17 book. And it's yours for $14 on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. Give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA, or write to us at Save America Ministries. P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Again, writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. We'll get right back with you after this. We have much more to talk about. Is reading the Bible too hard for kids? Is it too big of a book to read? Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church.
again. I welcome you back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. We're talking with Danica Cooley today from Oregon. And uh, do you find yourself in a pretty uh, uh, lonely spot up there in Oregon as you seek to uh, train up your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord? I would definitely say it is um, is not an environment, I don't think, where um, it's common to find people that are um, mm. really committed to homeschooling for Christ or um, or raising kids that are biblically literate. But we exist, so when we find each other and find people that love Jesus, we kind of band together. There so, you go. Birds of a feather yeah. flocking together. That's, That's right. good. That's good. And you uh, encourage one another, build one another up in your most holy faith uh, as you continue to raise and train your children well. When you're reading the Bible through, like I was trying to do as a teen, and even down in the age of 10, uh, I would get to Psalm 176. And I thought, oh, no. No, Psalm 119. I would get to Psalm 119, and I saw it was 176 verses long. And I thought, this is going to ruin my whole program for the day. I'm going to have to read the equivalent of three chapters just in one, and then I'll have at least two or three or more that I have to read. It was all this have-to kind of a situation. Well, I'll tell you what, Danica, there came a point when Psalm 119 became one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible. Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation day and night. You, through your word, have made me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. On and on and on. Psalm 119. It's a beautiful, beautiful psalm, isn't it? It is. It's wonderful. It's full of wonderful promises, too, right? Mm. You know, if our our young people study God's word, um, they will stay on the right path, and that's such a great promise. And God's word is a light to our feet. Um, I I love that entire chapter. Oh, it's terrific! Uh, I I could see a parent reading that through every week, <laughs> uh, and it's it's divided into little segments, uh, about twenty six of them. Uh, throughout the whole chapter. So it's very easy to read these little segments. And uh, one of the things that we find in there is the word meditate and delight. It's like two little puppy dogs that follow each other around in Psalm 119. I will meditate in your word. I will delight in your word. I will meditate and I will delight. I will meditate and I will delight. Why are those two words so important? I think that delighting in God's word is an, is naturally an outgrowth of loving the Lord because mm-hmm. his word is straight from him. And I think meditating on his word is so important because it's our food. It's 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 our water, it's our bread, it's it's what feeds us. Um and that's one of the reasons why we want to daily go to his word because we wouldn't skip eating so um you know one of the ways that we have helped our kids do that is by helping them memorize god's word um and 
I know for me, that was really important. I grew up in a Christian home. I mm-hmm. went to a Christian school for a number of years. And one of the things we did was memorize scripture. Yeah. Um, and I've found that there are times when the Holy Spirit will call those scriptures to mind. Um, and, and that is really how, when I, uh, was called to salvation in Christ. Um, his word was in my heart was mm-hmm. a, um, a big part of that. And, you know, that's also part of Psalm 119 is I've hidden your word in my heart so that I will not sin against you. Exactly. Um, and, and there are so many stories from Christian history of parents that helped their kids memorize scripture. And then God used that scripture to call those people to him. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Uh, if if there's ever a time we need light, it's now, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, Both as parents and as, as grandparents and, and our kids, they need light. And this is where we get it. Now, is it enough uh, for a parent to cart his kids or her kids off to church? I'm sorry, can you say I said, is it is it enough for a parent to cart uh, their kids off to church uh, for an hour, an hour and a half a week? Mm. Is that is that training their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord? Is that teaching your children well? No, I like I said, I, I would consider that the same as, as feeding our kids once a week. It's just, it's not enough, and it's not what we're mandated to do. Um, you know, we are mandated to meet together and not to forsake that. Mm-hmm. And God's the fellowship of God's church is so important, and we do want to bring our kids up in the church. But as a family, we want to study God's Word, and I believe that's where you see Deuteronomy 6 and 11 and and all of Psalm 119 directing us to do that, is to, to bring our kids up in the fear and admonition of the Lord and to bring them up to know Scripture, and, and not just to be familiar with it, um, which is, I think, the bare minimum, but to help them study it and to mm-hmm. help them hide it in their heart. Yeah. You know, God never commanded us to be informed. Did you know that? He never commanded us to be informed. But what he did command us to do is to be transformed. Mm-hmm. And yes. that is the goal of the Word of God. The goal of the of the Word of God is not just to inform us. It's to transform us. And uh, it begins with the informing, but then there has to be application. And that's where a lot of the, the shortfall is. We have a lot of information poured out, for instance, in our pulpits around the country. But there's very little transformation. And one of the reasons for it is there's very little application. And I bet you do a lot of application in your home. We do. I, God's Word is living and active, and um, it works in our lives. And I think as we study God's Word and we study the overarching themes of God's Word, um, and we, we continue to talk about that, God's, God's attributes, those that are communicable and those that are not, um, we talk about our sin nature and our need for a Savior. So we talk about you know, original sin and how we mm-hmm. see that in the world playing out. And we talk about God's great plan for salvation. And then Jesus's commands for his followers and how those aren't just things that Jesus said that sound nice. Those are things we are called to live out in our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, so we want to we do that in our family. 
Um, and, and that's something that we've really concentrated on. And that's another way to bring scripture into your family is, is when you're disciplining or teaching your kids is actually to refer to God's word. Mm-hmm. Um, because if it's not in God's word, um, then there's no point. You know, we want to be doing what God has commanded us to do. Yeah. And uh, God wants us to be proactive, not reactive. Uh, and that means we have to lead by example and lead by our love of the Word of God and a love for the Lord. And then we have authority. We have uh, integrity of heart that our kids can see and uh, they can rest in the authority that we exercise even as we uh, seek to teach them the Word of God. Right. I can't count how many times I've told our kids, you know, the Lord has has given us to you as stewards of of your lives until Mm -hmm. you are adults. And and it is our job to teach you what God has said. And so we're going to do that because we have to answer to him for that. And um, they understand that. They they don't want to put us in a position where we're disobeying the Lord. And, And what are the ages of your kids now? So they are 17, 18, 30, and 32. <laughs> wow. 17, yeah. 18, 30, and 32. Mm-hmm. And so now are you in a position of being grandparents? We have three grandchildren, two mm-hmm. girls and a little boy. And do you find yourself uh, exercising these same uh, thrusts in your life with your grandkids? Yeah, I make I make an effort to read to my granddaughters every time I see them and mm-hmm. um, to talk to them about the Lord. We don't get to see them as often as I would like mm-hmm. because we live a little further away from them, but um, they're wonderful. And, and I think one of the great things about being a grandparent is we can help equip our children to do um, what we would you know, to, to read the word to the Lord, mm-hmm. the word of the Lord to that their kids, and to have resources. Yeah. I love having my kids' addresses on Amazon because I can just send them great stuff. <laughs> okay. Now, um, Israel was commanded to teach their children, right there in Deuteronomy chapter 6, to talk of the word when they lie down, when they rise up, when they walk by the way, when they... Uh, uh, go to sleep at night and so on. In other words, mm-hmm. to do it diligently. But they didn't do that. They failed to the point where the word of God was actually virtually lost to Israel, wasn't it? Yeah, they lost it in the temple. Yeah, they lost it in the temple. We've just about yeah. lost the word of God in our churches today, it seems to me, in large right. measure. <laughs> well, here's my question as we come close to wrapping up here. Do you believe that uh, uh, we're looking at the soon return of the Lord? Um, I'm not you know, asking I... you to put a date down. Don't No, okay. I'm not asking you. Do you believe that we're looking at the soon return of the Lord? Yes, I believe we are closer and closer every day. There you go. Okay. Do you believe that it's possible then, as we approach the end of the age here, that we ourselves might lose the word of the Lord if we don't get about the business of being diligent in doing what you're talking about. Yes, I worry about that a lot. I I think that cycle of apostasy that we see in judges Mm -hmm. is something that we are still prone to today, and I don't want to see that um, 
it, it, you know, and I, I do, I have my own opinion about where in the cycle of apostasy we are, but we can return to the Lord and we can read his word and we can read it with our kids. Well, the scripture says, uh, return unto me and I will return unto you. God isn't chasing us down like some people are teaching these days. He's given us his word. He's extended his love and offering to us. And now he says, if you've wandered away from me, guess who moved? I didn't move. You did. So return unto me and I will return unto you. And if our kids do not know the word of God in its fullness, they're not going to have much to return to, are they? Right. That God's word should be the foundation of their lives. It should be the tapestry, the his the theology that is laid out in Scripture and the understanding of, of who God is should be the, the the foundation of their lives, and we're responsible for that. All right. Now, earlier, uh, you talked about uh, this three-year plan of uh, teaching the Word of God that you have uh, put together and uh, is accessible by our listeners. Uh, there might be somebody who's just turning in again uh could you tell us what that is and how they get it? Yes. Um, Bible Road Trip is a three-year Bible survey curriculum for preschool to high school. It's written at five different levels, but you can do it all together as a family. And you find it at BibleRoadTrip.org. Um, that's where you're going to find all the resources for it and all the different links. All right. How wonderful is that? And then the book, Help Your Kids Learn and Love the Bible. I love it. Help your kids learn and love the Bible. It's got to begin with your learning and loving the Bible, my friend. That's right. It's hard for us to pass on to our kids what we don't have ourselves. It's hard to give what you don't have. And so I urge you, first, to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. To get into the word of God yourself. Blessed are those who do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And when you're filled, just think of the overflow into your kids' and grandkids' life. Thanks for joining us. Get a copy of this wonderful book, Help Your Kids Learn and Love the Bible. A $17 book, yours for $14, on our website, saveus.org. Saveus.org. Call us 1-800-SAVE-USA. And seriously consider becoming a partner with us. We're preparing the way of the Lord for history's final hour. We are, even today. And you and I, all of us, need to be about the Master's business, and we do that by training our children well. God bless and be a blessing. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.